0: friends, before I begin, shall we bow our heads in prayer? Okay. O Lord, You who gave us the mystery and wonder of Your Word, the Word which was there even from the beginning, the Word which was with God, and the Word who is God, we ask, Lord, that You blow Your Spirit's fire and illumine our hearts, Lord, with Your Word that we might face the year gone past and also look forward to the future year that is coming, Lord, in your virtues, Lord, in your grace, and in the spirit of Christ Jesus. May the words of my mouth and meditations of all our hearts, O Lord, be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today the uh, title for the sharing is called Indwelt and Clothed uh, for the Year. It's a particularly interesting word to be indwelt, uh, not one that you find common, Uh, and indwelling is when there's something that dwells within a person. So to be indwelt and to be clothed for the year uh, is the text for this morning. Now, uh, it begins in that particular text, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Uh, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, Paul, in writing this particular letter to the Colossian church, had already given two lists of five vices. Uh, If you read within that same chapter earlier on, you would have encountered the vices that it's talking about, our uh, brokenness, our filth, our violence, the sinfulness of man. But here, he then calls upon them as, as new creatures, as people who are renewed, He says to them, Therefore put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Now, I want to pause a moment uh, to look at those terms. Chosen, holy and dearly loved. These are very special terms because these are not just terms that are referring to Israel but these are terms that were given to Jesus as well. He is the chosen one, the anointed one. The Messiah. He is the Holy One of God. If you recall reading the Gospels, every time when an unclean spirit encounters Jesus, their first comment would say, what have you to do with us? We know that you are the Holy One of God. The Holy One of God. And this holiness, I know, uh, you know, we often joke around as to what is holy. Uh, I know at times when you go to school, especially amongst my young friends, uh, they go to school and, and they don't like being Christian because when they go there as Christians, people say, these are the holy ones. Always talk Jesus, Jesus. Always talk Bible. Always goody-goody two-shoes. Don't play with them. La, because you want to have some fun, they're the ones who will be reporting to the teacher what you did. And so we always have this negative connotation of what holy means. Uh, Generally, we we tend to think these people are goody-two-shoes who always uh, correct people all the time and they're no fun. But that's not the Jewish or the Greek understanding of holiness. Uh, To be holy is to be set apart, to be distinct, uh, to be unlike everybody else. Now this is a a very telling uh, definition because if we move into the year or even if we reflect upon the year that has gone past, have you been a distinctive salt and light person, distinctive from the rest of your community? And what is this distinctiveness? Again, in the light of what Paul is talking about when you read his whole chapter, he says the rest of the world is practicing all these vices. Sexual orgies, uh, vileness, drunkenness, debauchery, all these forms. So it may come up, especially if you're a young person or even many of those who are, who are older, uh, the rest of the world will be consuming pornography The rest of the world will be committing adultery. The rest of the world will be lying. Are you the holy one? Are you practicing your identity as a chosen one? As one who is set apart, distinct from the rest of the world. One who, when other friends are just forwarding you all these messages, uh, you are the one who says, can you please stop this? It is demeaning to people or one who is internally wrestling with these issues. noted that it is part of our sexuality, it is part of who we are as people, in a way to be attracted uh, to these things. But it is also the distinctiveness of who we are that we are set apart to follow Christ, to be distinct. Will you, in the day left before we arrive on the watch night and renew our covenant vows to God, will you reflect upon this calling that we are chosen people of God? We're not just some random occurrence; we are chosen. I don't know how you feel when when you are being told that you are chosen. I know, as a child, uh, even when we play football, sometimes we're the last to be chosen. Because we have two left feet, or we have two thumbs, or so—it's all these challenges that we have. But here in the text, Paul tells us: those of you who believe in Christ, you are chosen, you are holy, set apart, and and dearly loved. At the start, uh, sorry, in the middle of this year, we had uh, Reverend Doctor Viv Thomas. And he came to us and he said, are you operating from a cycle of works? Or are you operating from a cycle of grace? And the, distinguish, uh, the distinguishing factor between the two is the world operates on a cycle of works. I work hard, I study hard, I do all these things. And because I do all these things, therefore people were like me. And if people like me and I do a lot of things, you know, I I solve the food problems, I solve all the love issues and all that stuff, people will then love me. And God will then look upon me and say, ah, this man is doing my work and therefore I shall love him. That's a cycle of works. In a way, a high-pressure, cauldron-type environment where everybody gets burnt out. Because you always feel, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Or are you operating from a cycle of grace? And how Viv pointed out was, you recall that when Jesus began his ministry, it began with the baptism. And at his baptism, the Holy Spirit came down upon him like a dove and a voice from heaven says, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Another version of that same text says, this is my son whom I love. Whom I dearly love. And then Jesus began his ministry. He was pushed out into the wilderness and he started his work. That's a cycle of grace. And the cycle of grace operates from a function where we operate from an identity of loved people. Now this is telling for all of us, even as parents, as grandparents, or as children, to know that I am loved and I I function out of that response of love rather than I have to do all these things in order for you to love me. How often do we tell our children... You're not performing according to the standard I have set. And because of that, no dinner for you. Or you take the bus. It's kind of conditional. Do we reward them for the things that they do? Or we reward them in a way because we love them? And it's not so much a reward, it's a gift to show how much we love them. Now, some of parents would say, I, no, 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 that's not a reward, that's an incentive. So if you pass your exam with 10 A's, I'll take you on a trip somewhere. But what happens if you say, no, I want to take you on a trip? Whether or not you do well in your exams, I just want you to do your best. How then does the child operate? He operates in a way without the pressure of saying everything depends on how I perform. My value is determined by how I perform, my function, as opposed to my value is the fact that I am made in the image of God. I am chosen. I am set apart. And I'm dearly loved. So it's from this identity that if you reflect upon your year and you think about the year that's going forth, Paul commends you, put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, sometimes in other versions you will see this word gentleness uh, linked into meekness. Meek doesn't mean that you're timid, meek means that you are gentle. Have you encountered people who are gentle like the wind, but firm like iron? These are people who are very clear in their convictions. They're very gentle about how they say it. But when they say no, they can be very gentle about how they say no, but it's still a very solid no. And I believe it takes a lot more strength and courage in order to be gentle it's very easy to smash someone. It's very easy when people irritate you and annoy you to hit back, to poke back, to be equally offensive to the other person. It, in fact, takes more strength to be gentle and to be mild and meek. Now, again, these five uh, characteristics, if you want to call it that, these, these five um, uh, virtues, are the very same virtues that are assigned to Christ. He was compassionate. He had compassion on people. He had kindness upon people. He was humble. He was gentle. And he was patient. Did you notice that all these virtues are externally oriented? You show compassion to others. You know, it's reflected upon how we are to others. And so if we are to be a distinctive community in Malaysia, in particular, will we be this salt and light that shows compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience that is not like the rest of this world? Recently, uh, Tim Keller uh, addressed Parliament, British Parliament. Now, Tim Keller is is an American uh, preacher. Uh, who has his ministry in the middle of New York, and he addressed Parliament, British Parliament, and his response, or the title that was given to him was, What relevance do Christians have in our community? What relevance do Christians have in our modern community? You see, in in many parts of the world, uh, especially in the Western world which is where uh, Christianity originated from, Christianity is being more and more marginalised to the point that secularism or even agnosticism uh, is taking primacy of role and they say, what relevance does your religion, your faith, your uh, prayers have to our modern society? And Tim Keller's response to him is, we are, uh, from that verse, we are salt and light. In order for us to be salt, we have to be distinct from the rest of that community. And so he acknowledges, one, Christians are distinctive. But he pointed out that there are two ways in which this distinctive works. And I believe that when I look at our Malaysian community, it is very similar. He says... The distinctive of the Christian faith that makes them salt and light is this love for others. The ability to deny yourself, take up your cross, and love. But the rest of the community, on the other hand, works on this culture of honor and shame. I do things only when it honors me or when I am ashamed. Now, do we function out of this? Because sometimes you may show compassion not because you love the other person, but because when I show compassion, I am honored. Or do I only do things when I am shamed by not doing it? Or do I hide from these things? The two distinctives are do you live for yourself, your honor, your shame? Or do you live according to Christ for others? The giving of the self. He also challenged this big issue that we have in our community now. And our community now has the highest ideals. We care about the poor, we care about the weak, we care about those who are in difficulty. However, caring for them and doing something for them essentially means suffering because it means walking along and giving to the poor. But we also are in the other extreme, living a life where we say, I am the ultimate one. Don't be restrained, don't hold back, be yourself, do what you want. How do we reconcile these two extremes? One is a a whole idea of self-actualization. Be who you want. Do what you want. Don't let anything hold you back. But the other extreme says, care for others. That's a restraint. Feed the poor. Comfort the widow. Mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who Those are barriers. And so our communities are faced with this issue. And when Paul talks about this, show compassion, kindness, humility, clothe yourselves. He's not telling you this is something that you can just put in. He puts it to you as a person who is indwelt with this identity and relationship with God that reminds them as chosen, holy, and dearly loved people, clothe yourselves with these things. It is something that comes not from what you put on, but something that comes from who you are. Who you are determines how you are perceived. That is the challenge that Paul is telling us. Would you put on this identity as chosen, holy, and dearly loved persons which are seen, therefore, by how you are compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and peaceable to one another? He continues his comment. Uh, I'm summarizing this. Uh, This is found in verse 13, if I'm not mistaken. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. But it actually says, bear with one another and forgive them. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And he continues, and above all these, put on love, which binds uh, binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, he's already given these five virtues. But then at the same time, he says, forgive. Forgive one another. This is what makes a Christian distinctive. Forgiveness. Now, you would have heard me say this many times throughout this year. And as many times as I have said it, many have come to me and said, impossible. (laughs) Hard to forgive. Hard to forgive. How to forgive. So I'll keep gently reminding you (laughs) that the distinctive characteristic of a Christian is one who forgives. I would go even so far as to say that your inability to forgive puts into question your salvation. It is seen everywhere and everything. If you do not forgive, then you do not really realize how much you have been forgiven. And you think very lightly of your sins. So as gently as I can, brothers and sisters, we are called to forgive. Some of this effectively means trampling all over your ego. It does. Uh, In much of the ministry that's been involved, I've always had to wrestle with this question, is it my ego that is getting in the way of reconciliation? That one is too proud to take the humble ground to say, even if I am right, I will humble myself in order that we would be reconciled for the sake of love. And I will forgive and continue to forgive and keep on forgiving. The Greek syntax in the grammar is actually a present continuous. It is forgive and keep on forgiving. The same light as how Jesus would put there, forgive seventy times seven times, continuously keep on forgiving. So will you look back in your year this year, and will you find occasions where you need to ask for forgiveness? you might need to forgive your children or, heaven forbid, you would need to ask for forgiveness from your children. Recently, I I sat with a friend who, who said in their family they're having problems and they're not willing to argue it out. Son and father. None willing to talk it out. The son is venting it out. The father is just ignoring it, going out. Unwilling to deal with this issue. And part of the reason is because the father is wrong. And he refuses to basically acknowledge, yes, it is my failure. Will you put on love? In a way, Paul is saying it is this love that makes you able to be compassionate, kind, gentle, meek, and forgiving. Big order before the end of the year, will you seek forgiveness? Now, I'm not talking in terms of like you go to your son or you go to your father and say, Dad, uh, anything I do this year, you forgive me. Huh? Whatever I've done, please forgive me. Kind of like blanket check, you know? No, I'm really asking you go back and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord. You know my heart. Search me and know me. Will you bring to light situations where you know? And He will. I assure you, He will remind you in ways that are most uncomfortable. And then will you then have the courage to specifically talk to your children? your family. Now, I'm, I'm referring primarily to our family, but I'm also referring to our larger family and our friends. You may be reminded in this year specific situations where you did not and were unable to show love. And I'd like you to reflect upon that in this year and specifically when it comes to it, go to this friend and say, you know, this thing that happened specifically I'm asking for your forgiveness about this. Now it's hard because I'm not asking you to go and forgive people. That one is a default given. You have to forgive people. What I'm asking you to do is to ask for forgiveness specifically. That's a lot harder, right? Because it means you eat humble pie... (laughs) You look at your ego truthfully, soberly, with sober judgment and you acknowledge, yes, I could have shown more love. Yes, I was being very temperamental and I was wounded. But I'm not asking you to rationalise or excuse what you did. I'm just asking you to do what is Christian, to forgive and ask for forgiveness in the same way that the Lord has given. And above all of this, Put on love. What is the distinctive of Penang Trinity, (laughs) which I hope to see for the year going forward? A distinctive people that are called to forgiveness and love. Now what does this mean? This means that we are not like the world. Everywhere else in the world, in fact, even yesterday, (laughs) I was just watching a little clip. Again, something Marvel related, uh, Avengers, revenge. (laughs) Every Chinese Kung Fu movie has revenge in it. (laughs) You have to kill the villain who murdered your master. (laughs) And you have to do it as terribly as possible with utmost violence. But the message of Christ is, Forbear with one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And you're called to put on love that binds all the above virtues in a perfect unity. Which means when you put on love, all the above will jalan, will work. That's your distinctive. If you want to be seen as different, forgive and love. All these things will come after. But to forgive, and to ask for forgiveness means you have to be very secure in your ego and identity, right? How can I ask for forgiveness from my own children? I'm the father. They are the... They are the that's what my dad told me. He said, in our culture, honor-shame culture, it was impossible for the grandfather to ask for forgiveness from the children. And so I'm telling you, please... Look at the light of your culture against the light of what Christ is calling you to do. He's not calling you to say that you put up this false image of yourself knowing that you are wrong and say, I must protect this image because I'm too ashamed to acknowledge that this is bad. But instead, put on love. And Paul started this whole passage saying, you are chosen. (laughs) You are holy and you are dearly loved. Knowing full well that your ego will be trampled and you eat humble pie, He's reminding you, in spite of all you feel about your shame and your dishonor, you are loved. God loves you. And I tell you, when you are able to ask for forgiveness, It just removes that barrier or wall of offense in order that you can go further to love. Because until you remove that, your ego is still in the way. Then you begin to truly know what it means. So, friends, I'm asking you to do some really deep soul searching for this year. What does it take for you to forgive and to ask for forgiveness? To love. And when you do these things, compassion, humility, you know, meekness, kindness, gentleness, these things will flow naturally. He continues in the following verse And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now I'm going to show you three verses in succession. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in, your, in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing uh, songs and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Do you notice that both verses at the end of that phrase, thankful, <laughs> give thanks with thankfulness. The peace of God, the Word of God indwelling in you gives you this heart of thankfulness. Gives you this heart of thankfulness. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, it's, it's bad enough that I'm challenging you to go and Ask for forgiveness, to search your hearts, to exercise love. But the text is also saying when you do all these things, give thanks. (laughs) Because what God is doing is something that is miraculous changing the heart of the fathers and the children to each other, changing the hearts of people towards one another. Because when I am forgiving you or when I'm asking you forgiveness, an act of God has happened in your heart together in partnership with you, of course. You have to be the one who says, I'm willing to and I want to. Or even worse, you might say, I'm not willing to and I don't want to. But Lord, have your way. Even when I don't feel like it, please change me. Nine out of ten times, that begins first. I'm not willing, I don't want to. But Lord, have your way. Like Jesus said, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass. But not my will, your will be done. Will you be like Christ in showing that love? Lord, I don't want to ask for forgiveness. My pride can't take it, my ego can't take it. But your will be done. If it's necessary for me to do this, let me reflect upon this and let me enfold my children in love to tell them that their function and their value is not dependent on how they perform, but it's because I love them. They are my children. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, in that last passage, are you indwelt? By the peace and the message of Christ. Now, various versions put it this way the message of Christ, the word of Christ. Are you indwelled by peace? Do you know, uh, children as they grow up eventually figure out there are ways to keep things away from their parents, from them knowing. Kids know how to hide things from each other, from the teacher, from the principal, even bad things. And some of us need to make a confession. Some of our children may need to come up to you. Some of us may need to come to confession to our wife, to our children, to our parents. Will you, when you do this, I will guarantee you one thing. At least this is my experience the act of confession puts a seed of peace in you. I have said it and I have come clean. And when fathers forgive, that love that fills them just goes to overflowing. I've seen it happen many times, especially in reconciliation. When the child confesses or when the father confesses, I have done these things and I have hurt you deeply. That peace that comes into their heart that knows no bounds, the peace of Christ that comes from above, that's the thing that reminds them how much they are loved. Because now there is no sin, there is no uh, bitterness and hatred that keeps them apart. And they can really speak face to face, eye to eye. Because that's what many of my friends are asking for. How do I have peace in my family? Very simple answer, very difficult. (laughs) You want peace, it comes through this. Ask for forgiveness from each other. Confess your sins to each other and the peace of God will come into you. But this works only when both are willing to meet each other. You might say, what about me? If I'm in a family where my parents are not Christian, I am Christian, they are not Christian, my ego gets trampled. Do it! Not because you know that the outcome is going to be good, but do it because God said so. And it is the right thing to do. I have told you the number of times when I've seen conversions occur because the parent tells me something happened to my kid. And he says that Christ did this. And if God can do this to my kid, I want to know this God. Because he has changed my son. Into something else. You know, these are said from children who were gangsters, <laughs> drunk addicts, uh, difficult, even into prostitution, a pimp. And this guy comes and says, "That I really messed up my life, but God is leading me." Affected the whole family. Would you be indwelt by the peace of Christ when we come as holy? chosen, dearly loved people, confessing our sins to each other, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, giving thanks. That when these things happen, you would give thanks to God the Father through Christ. Our thankfulness comes not from the things that we have. There's a very, thank- a very different kind of thankfulness when it comes through an act of Christ in us, in a relationship that comes through Christ. taste and see and know that the Lord is good. Moving forward for the year, let me challenge you for these three things. Would you remind yourself daily your identity? As much as you are denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus, you also remind yourself you are chosen, holy and dearly loved people of God. Make this your spiritual rhythm for the day, every day. Why? eh? Jesus says, if anyone would be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. This is not the way of the world. The way of the world, if, if anyone would want to be great, let him make himself great, amplify and broadcast to the whole wide world how wonderful I am and take all that you can. That's the message of the world. Message of Christ in Christians, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Your greatness is in the greatness of Jesus who only left behind 11 disciples and was crucified on the cross. So many times your ego will be bruised. Many times people may decide to trample all over you and take advantage of you. Please remind yourself you are chosen set apart holy and dearly loved people of God people of God eh? not just people of this world daily clothe yourselves with Christ likeness both inwardly and outwardly peace of God love of God indwelling and daily be indwelt by the message of Christ and thanksgiving this heart of thanksgiving is difficult eh? what are you thankful for? for the year. I realise most guys like me, when you ask them what you're thankful for, (laughs) we scratch our heads. We have to think for quite a while. So brothers, please do it. Think upon what you are thankful for. And I pray that at some point, the message of Christ, the Word of God, is what makes you thankful that it reminds you how blessed you are. Not the things of this world because they are passing, their temporary happiness, but a joy that knows no bounds. Lastly, I just want to remind you of this. Last week, I had uh, told all friends uh, on the 16th, next year our church is going on this journey of biblical uh, exploration. So this is the New Testament plan, uh, new NT+. You can find it at ownit365.com slash my-plans or you can go to the uh, U-version website my.bible.com reading plans 1402 ownit365 uh, New Testament NT plan New Testament reading. Now uh, for those with children uh, two years old until kindergarten there is a Bible app Uh, It's a Jesus app for kids, right? Bible app for kids. Really wonderful. Now, we've been having this wrestling match. Many parents, uh, especially those who are older, look at their younger parents and say, why you put the handphone in front of them? Why you put the iPad in front? Why you put the device in front of them? And if if you've sat down and spoken to some of them, you realize that it's not that simple. Okay, as much as they don't want to and they control the amount of time uh, they do allow them. So what I'm suggesting for some parents, uh, for those of you who use these devices, get this uh, Bible app for kids because it contains 28 stories about the Bible in the form of a game. The child can actually tap, 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 and in a way learn the story for themselves. Uh, Beautiful stuff. It also has a curriculum for two years. Okay, for children. So for families uh, and grandparents as well, you might want to do this. Once in a while when your kid comes to you, uh, You instead of them playing some app or watching some movie, take out this thing and give it to them and see how they work on it. Hey friends, I leave that challenges to you. I pray that the message of God and the love of God be indwelt in you. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for the reminder that we are chosen, that we are called to be holy and that you have set us apart. Thank you Lord that you chose to indwell in us Lord, that man is God's dwelling place Lord. Fill us again Lord with the reminder that we are not of this world, we are in this world, we are not of this world Lord. And teach us Lord to be followers of Christ Jesus in all that we do. Lord, I pray especially for my dear brothers and sisters here as they go to be reconciled to those whom they love and care for. Help them, Lord, to face uh, the ability to confess, the ability to ask for forgiveness, and to also have the courage and strength to forgive, Lord. May your love empower them, Lord. May your spirit be with them, Lord. Pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I also forgot, uh, if you look into your bulletin in the middle page where the sermon outline is, you will notice uh, something new on the right-hand side of the column. The right-hand side of the column actually has the New Testament reading plan beginning from December 31st. Uh, It's read one chapter a day beginning with the book of John. So for those of you who do not want to pakai the handphone or the device, you just want a, a, a reminder of where we are, uh, it's there, d- beginning December 31st. If you rather have something for the whole year, you go to the website there, and it actually has a PDF copy of that. Now, in all of this, we want you to succeed. So, if you feel you don't know what to do, come and look for me, or come to the office. It gives you a reason to basically contact the pastor, and giving you permission to do this. Uh, and if you need me to help show you how it 's done, uh, quite happy to do this. But I'm really thankful a number of small groups have already uh, taken it up and are, are encouraging all their members to do this. Last uh, thing to ask you to do, don't do this alone. Do this with three, two or three others. Remember, Last week I said three, two, one. Three friends, two hours, once a month. Meet together and have a spiritual conversation. What has God been doing in your life this last one month? You journey together just like the road to Emmaus. It's a spiritual conversation. Friends, if you will, will you rise with me as we sing this song, Lord, I offer my life to you.